EasyPay provide funding, payroll and back office services to support the recruitment industry. Go to easypayservices.co.uk forward slash rec live lounge. RecruitersLiveLounge.com Where you get to hang out with the most inspiring recruitment business leaders on the planet. Hosted by Roy Ripper. Hey everyone, welcome back to Recruiters Live Lounge where you get to meet and hang out with some of the most inspirational recruitment business leaders on the planet. And today we're really lucky. I've got Mr. Gareth Biggerstaff, and Gareth is the Managing Director of BIT Resourcing. Let me tell you something about Gareth. He is one of the, he, sorry, Gareth is a seasoned leader in technology and digital recruitment. And what I love about Gareth's story is it's that typical kind of, rookie to director story started over 20 years ago in one of uh, the national providers a large recruitment business started over 20 years ago as a researcher and over time he worked his way up through the ranks uh, to director skillfully building a market leading recruiting team now of course working that amount of time in one sector means that Gareth has experienced both the positive and negative cycles of change, but has always maintained a very hands-on approach to team management and client delivery, which he believes is the reason for a large part of his success. Three years ago, Gareth made the leap and started this company, his own company, BIT Resourcing, with the aim of building an agency, agency to stand head and shoulders above its competitors. Now with nine staff and an enviable client list, it looks very much like Gareth is achieving all he set out to do. Gareth, I hope I got all of that right. How are you? How's it going? I'm doing grand, Roy. Thank you very much. It's all going good. So we've made placements today, so I'm a happy man already. Woohoo! <laughs> Gareth, we always love to hear about placements in, in the live lounge. So well done to you and your team for that. Absolutely. Gareth, look, tell us something about the work that you and the guys there at BIT do. For you know, for people that um, are listening to this all over the world, tell us a bit about where you are and the kind of work that you do. Sure, no problem. Well, BIT is a specialist digital and technology resourcing firm, Roy. Um, it's very much within my core background, as you had outlined there, in terms of the technology domain. But what we've done is we have expanded upon that and we have moved into the emerging consumer digital market that is being created at this moment in time. Um, we have a growing team. We are based in Edinburgh. Um, we are UK-based primarily as it stands at the moment. That's where our client base is uh, uh, currently. Um, we provide the usual services that many of our competitors do in terms of perm, interim and contract. But our big differentiator is the provision of managed services within the technical arena. And as such, we've really been concentrating on expanding our business and our service lines in order to create an additional service for our clients that many competitors don't. Gareth, that's, you know, it's brilliant. And first of all, you know, I've got to say to you, you're in Edinburgh, one of probably my favourite European city, yeah. believe it or not. For any of you that have not visited Edinburgh, 
you are missing out. For me, Gareth, you are very, very lucky. I know that you're not from originally from Scotland, are you? No, no, you can probably tell. No, I'm a paddy <laughs> from the north of Ireland, but I have been living in, I'm just doing a bit of a count here, somewhere in the order of 24 years in wow. Scotland. So well and truly settled, three children, a Scottish wife, so I'm going nowhere. So this is where my business resides, but we've been working from here to expand out in the course of the next uh, year to two years, Roy. So uh, we'll be certainly seeing more of uh, the London community, I would imagine, certainly by next year at the very least. I think that will be the, the, the next big move for our business. We look forward to getting you down here, Gareth. Um, Gareth, listen, I know that you're a fan of Recruiters Live Lounge. You'll know that we always like to kick off with our guests' favourite success quote and how yes. you apply that in your in your everyday business. Tell us what yours is. Roy, I, I can't profess that mine is something very intelligent or something that is really uh, uh, wise. Um, you know, mine is something that is so basic, um, but it's so effective. And I tell you, it's something I've learned from my father. So I don't actually know if it is a, 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 a success quote as such. But what has been you know, re uh, resonating in my mind over my career is the old adage that if you want something done, you give it to a busy man. And in doing so, you know yourself that uh, someone who's moving fast will ultimately be able to deliver an outcome so much more quicker than someone who's working from a standing start. So I apply this principle to my working life um, on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm not a, 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 a sitter-downer. I'm not a telewatcher. I like to be active all the time. And I really enjoy getting that uh, sense of uh, satisfaction on the back of achievement. And to me, that's why that quote resonates strongly. So. I have to thank my father for that, I have to be honest. I love that quote. And listen, we've got to have to credit your dad. What's, you know, what's Mr. Bigger Staff Senior's first name? Brian. Brian, okay. So look, we're going we're gonna to put that quote up. I love that. And you know what, Gareth, one of the big takeaways from your answer there, I heard, I don't know if anybody else picked it up, you, you described yourself as not a telewatcher. And it's no. amazing because a lot of very successful entrepreneurs that I know it's the one common thing that I see across so many of really? them. Yeah, they say, look, you know what? Television is a drain. It's like it's like a, a time uh, leech and it robs yeah. people of so much, you know? I just think it numbs your brain in many respects. Whereas, you know, there's so many more things that you could be doing in life and you're going to be, you're only here for a short time and you're a long time dead, Roy. So there's no point wasted at watching these tenders is my viewpoint but that's personal to myself i have to be honest you know i'm just a, a, a an enthusiast and a hobbyist in many ways so I'm, i i'm an outdoors man so when i'm not working i'm outdoors and you're that's a, my preference and you're in a really really great space up there to to be able to enjoy that hobby as well absolutely um gareth look we know behind every successful entrepreneur there's usually been some you know adversity some major challenge some failure that they faced in their previous uh, career describe for us your biggest adversity or your biggest failure in recruitment Oh, you know, we hit failure in recruitment on a daily basis, I think. But, you know, whenever you're talking about something of some significant magnitude, I my, the, the thing comes to mind instantly, Roy, isn't something that I would term as being a failure. It is something that I would term to be a mistake. Right. And that is around the actual leaving of my uh, past employer 
to set up my new business. And I was so eager and keen in order to get going because I was so motivated and charged. I had a plan, I knew what I was going to be doing, I knew how I was going to be doing it. But what I think that with with hindsight, hindsight, sorry, I should have done was to actually take a step back and take six months off, rest myself, plan a little bit further, and then actually engage fully with the setting up of the new organization BIT. And I think that uh, if I was to rewind time, I would probably take that six months and not have that uh, pressure from my previous employer with regard to restrictive covenants and so forth. Now, there just is a, 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 in my instance in this time, what I really thought was the most uh, appropriate use of my time was to actually think about how can I build my business thinking ahead. So whilst I knew I was somewhat restricted and somewhat uh, limited in what I could do, what I had to focus my time on was actually thinking, what am I needing to be doing now that will impact a year, two years from now? So what I really worked on in that first six months when I was somewhat restricted was actually looking at the presence of a brand, the creation of a brand, um, looking at the creation of a website, looking at the you know new methods of working, new channels, um, looking at how we can actually uh, develop compliance and processes um, within a small business from the onset that could then be scaled and grown significantly in time. And really what I had learned during that period was that by having that uh, embryonic uh, the set of processes in place has benefited me enormously and has really catapulted our business in the, particularly in the last 12 months with some really significant growth and I know that our operation is very compliant on the back of the good work that I've done during that uh, that period but I think that in the uh, uh, direct uh, answer I think that would be it my six months off I think I would have probably taken a holiday I'm not a holiday in type of person as you probably have guessed but I think with hindsight I probably should have done that and would have done that but you, but it sounds like you used the time really productively. So it's a hard one, isn't it? It's like, yeah, you know, maybe a holiday at that stage would have been good for your family, good for you. But probably the business has kind of benefited from from that time spent. I think. It has. Well, I'll tell you what, we're very organised, we're very compliant, and I feel that uh, as a, we're an exceptionally process-driven business. So therefore, I think what I have now is a very effective and, above all, a very efficient business, and that being the key. And Gareth, you know, just for other people out there as well, I know that you and I have had conversation where I've really complimented you and BIT on your embracing of video technology for uh, the purpose of marketing. And and you guys have done some really, really good promotional videos talking about the brand, um, where it's you talking about the brand. It's not actors or, you know slick presenters or anything this is a real a really really good use of video technology and and you know i complimented you and your team on it um, absolutely but you know to me that is one of the new things that our industry needs to embrace yeah. you know when we look at you know you, you walk into a cafe next door where you live and look around and look at how many people are actually sitting watching you know some kind of stream video stream youtube or some type of content ultimately yeah. that is just not written content and you know certainly as uh, i think as our market matures further and the digital consumer age comes into play we're going to see more and more of that yeah. so to align our 
business at an early stage, whenever that was developing as a concept, I suppose, um, it was really important to us. But it's nice that you say that that was a, 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 a good video, a good output. We did try hard. And at the same time, I don't believe in uh, uh, you know, really silky presenters. At the end of the day, it's my business. If I can't sell my business, if I can't talk about my business, and if I can't do it in a passionate, motivated, and enthused way, then nobody else is going to. And ultimately, that presence of myself was uh, uh, not something that I have to enjoy. I have to be absolutely honest with you. I'm not made for video. I'm more a face for radio. I think you could probably comment on yourself. Um, but, you know, I thought it was a vital thing for me to do. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, it was quite enjoyable, actually, after a period of time. Whatever, you know, we've done a few of these things now. And it's never that they come easy to me. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But I absolutely am bought into the worth. And I can see that uh, moving forward, we'll be doing more of these. And we'll be uh, trying to, to get greater variety in terms of the content that we're putting out on it as well. I think, as you say, Gareth, that, um, you know, one of the things that I've noticed today's consumers and, and in our business, it's candidates, it's clients or prospects. Sure. Um, one of the things I've really noticed is that these people are now demanding credibility behind a brand. You know, it's not enough just to say, hey, we've got a slick logo and a nice strap line and we say all the right things. They genuinely, you know, we've we've all seen it. They'll check out what we write on Twitter, what we post up on a blog. They're looking for our views and our statements, mm -hmm. and they're looking for real credibility behind a brand. You know, who is the person? What is the vision? Uh, who are the people that work there? Um, rather than this amazing, you know, copywriter that could, you know, make Absolutely. anything sound good. So, But also people want to know the capability and yeah. the ability to deliver and that expertise and the experience has to come through with that as yeah. well, Roy. So, you know, our approach to this is not to, to uh, you know, silk it up. It's just to show the real people, the real credibility, the real experience. And uh, I think we've been pretty successful um, in doing that. And I think the feedback that we've had from the market has been, exceptionally strong um, sure. so I've been really quite surprised at the feedback that I've had from these videos I just wish I was a little bit better looking for them maybe I might get even better feedback on them if that is the case <laughs> <laughs> but there's only so much you can wish for in life right <laughs> <laughs> well a long way to go on that one I think <laughs> Gareth listen continuing um, the story of your journey um, when was the eureka moment for you? You know, you've worked in recruitment now for, you know, over 20 years and, and over 20 years with one uh, specific company before launching your own. Yes. Um, but there must have been that moment for you where the light bulbs go off, everything slots into place. Um, you know, I know in that last company you started off as a, as a junior researcher, you ended up as a director. But at what point did that light bulb go off and, and, and what did that look like? You know, I think I've had a few Eureka moments over the course of time, um, but the one I think that it is a, the 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 most significant to me probably occurred somewhere around the year two thousand two thousand and one. I historically have been a, a, a great contractor, technology contractor, um, recruiter, mm -hmm. and that has been, I suppose, the premise of my career um, over that 20-year period. And I started to realize that I was selling contractors through to end clients and to the large SI system integrator companies, um, your IBMs and so forth, um, who then took the contractor and sold it on again to another client, but with a huge margin involved. <laughs> 
And there was not really uh, any real credible difference in service. There was very little value add in my mind between the one offering to the other. So my eureka moment was, well, why can't I compete with these companies and do the same? Mm-hmm. Um, so what I done was actually started to utilize really effective contractors who I knew, trusted and had great rapport with um, and actually started to get these guys to work as teams in order to create a, an output for a client that was deliverable based. Now, I've had loads of experience in doing this over the course of time and I've delivered um, such a wide array of things from testing projects through to the implementation of large-scale CRMs within uh, national businesses um, through to a uh, 6,000-person desktop rollout program. Um, We have also supported a a large global electronics organization to support all of their Unix and uh, Microsoft environments from Ukraine to Ireland. And we had that contract for eight years. So, you know, I, I can, there's, yeah, I could quote a good 15 to 20 past examples of where these types of services really work. And that to me was probably the biggest Eureka moment where we could actually lift our offering and move it up a level in terms of competing with your larger system integrators that exist out there, whether it be in the UK or whether it be in Europe or whether it even be the Indian providers. So ultimately to me that has been a a massive moment and one that has had huge bearing in terms of my new firm and what we're trying to do. So what we've really been doing in the last uh, couple of years has been further enhancing and developing that model and actually thinking about how can we really officiate and ground this into the service provision from recruitment business uh, sector and really we've been working very hard in order to actually um, formulate an offering that could be accepted by national frameworks i.e. government frameworks and be seen as a credible service and this year I feel that we've really uh, surpassed ourselves where we've actually been awarded G Cloud status by Government Digital Services wow. as G Cloud version six. So this is the latest uh, framework that allows BIT to interact with all of the uh, devolved and national government departments within the UK to provide these services as program management, project management, business analysis, and program management office services. So we've got four very specific services that we are now uh, tailored and have been delivering to customers and are now trying to expand. So to me, that has been the absolute um, a eureka moment for me because that is moving us out of the, the, the recruitment sphere to some extent up a gear in terms of that uh, the market opportunity that exists. It's true. So it's true. It par- it's, it's a true partnering opportunity, isn't it? As opposed to a single contractor or a single contractor, they're teams Absolutely. of people. Okay. So you have to, you know, with this, what you have to to do is you have to be very sure with regard to your delivery mm. and be, you know, you, you you cannot fail on this. So you have to it comes back to the quality of the people who are actually within the team. The quality of the resource is absolutely key. So having the 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 experience and the knowledge of the market as to who can uh, do the job and who I can depend on is absolutely vital with that offering. But in addition to that, having the trust from the clients in order to actually say, okay, well, this is something new, uh, but we see the value in it, and you're certainly more cost effective. So it was getting the, the, the initial buy-in from the client was probably the biggest challenge, but once you got that reference site, you're off and running. Yeah. And that has now, I think, is now a clear-cut offering within the market that we're starting to develop. Gareth, I, I, just on that subject, I know um, a few people that are going to be watching this episode and listening to this episode 
very, very interested in the uh, the government contracts that you've won. Mm -hmm. And traditionally, you know, people would say, oh, the tendering process and the compliance to be able to get government contracts is, is a very difficult, lengthy, complicated process. Yes. Was that your experience? And any advice for people, you know, thinking about it or going through it now? Oh, you're absolutely right. It is a colossal process. It is uh, head-bending to begin with, if the truth be told, in terms of the documentation and the process that you have to go through and the form filling and the, all of the compliance, etc. You, you know, to go through something like this, you're you're really looking at uh, a very big time commitment. So therefore, it has an impact on a, a small business. And you know, you have to be very sure that this is a, an intelligent risk, an intelligent gamble as such and that you know that you're going in the right direction so we you know i i i have had experience uh, in doing this before i have had advice from some friends as well with regard to how to tackle it and really it was just about putting the two of those elements together in order to get a successful outcome good and i'm, I'm really pleased to hear that you guys have cracked it um are on the road yeah and continue to do so um <laughs> gareth what do you do personally on a, on a consistent daily basis that you think sets you up for success every day is there anything any morning ritual or anything you do consistently every day no. Yeah, but well, like morning rituals and what I'm not that type of person okay. at all, Roy. I have to be honest. Um, I I am a great believer in integrity and honour, and I absolutely operate on a daily basis with those principles in mind. Secondly, I like a laugh, and I like to create an environment where people can be themselves, and that I can be myself with the people that I'm talking to, not only within my business but also to the candidates that we're dealing with and to the clients that I have. Yeah. Um, so just being real is a, an absolute key thing and I suppose the final bit of advice that I, I think that I would never do is never make promises or give guarantees on something you know you are maybe not going to be able to deliver yeah. and I think that's probably one nugget of advice I can share with everybody in recruitment um, because you know yourself I think recruiters do it on a daily basis yeah. and I think again can the non-delivery element out of the back of that guarantee or promise just really can give our sector um, a bit of a bad name. And I think that they, in not doing that, I think it's an absolute key thing for the future. I think some real takeaways in there, Gareth, and thank you. I think, you know, honesty and integrity are, are, are two words that are, are bandied about, often used, but seldom lived on a, you know, yes. on a daily basis and reinforced. So, you know, to hear somebody saying, and I know you, I know of your business, I know other people have talked about you, um, and they say that you demonstrate those things. If I if I ever hear your name mentioned, it's those two words that, that come Well, that up. is good to hear. Yeah. I, I firmly believe in that because you know yourself that uh, this is fundamental to your reputation, and sure. within our sector, your reputation is everything in my view. Yeah, and it's interesting about the promise thing because I know it's famous in my house. My kids will always say to me, um, Dad, you know what, you never promise us anything you know you never promise that you're going to take us to the sweet shop you never promise said aha you see this is something i've learned in recruitment never make a promise yeah, it works in so many ways it in really life does. doesn't it it really does absolutely <laughs> gareth no, but, yeah sorry yes, go on 
No, but I, I think it's absolutely fundamental, you know, just in terms of building rapport and relationships mm. with people because, you know, ultimately the, the relationships within our sector is, you know, they're really, they're, they are the key bread and butter. They are the yeah. things that we live on. And by having a degree of ethics with regard to how you treat people is fundamental to just building that reputation. And as you build your reputation, it's just a positive snowballing effect. Yeah, totally agree. Gareth, you know, you've probably given us some clues just then in your answer, but what would you describe as your biggest strength as an entrepreneur or business owner? And then conversely, your biggest weakness or the biggest area that you need to work on? Um, I think my biggest strength is my work ethic. Um, I, um, I, I think it is been drilled into me as a child that uh, nothing comes easy in life so I think that without doubt my work ethic is the biggest strength that I have yeah. my biggest weakness is a little bit linked to my work ethic and that is I like to get down to the grassroots level of what's going on within my business and be involved in it and to recruit as well but I think that will at present that potentially is my biggest weakness because it's actually taking me into my business when I should be going out from my business Business and taking the, the 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 more helicopter view with regard to strategy, future, and you know how I can grow and drive my business forward in a positive way. It's a difficult one, though, Gareth, isn't it? Because you know what I pick up from you is that you're a you're a practitioner. You know, you're you're, you're nuts and bolts, hands-on recruitment. Sure. And, and though you and I know, you know, working on your business rather than working in it is going to be the key to. Uh, this next spurt of growth for BIT, it's very, very yes. hard to walk away from the thrill of a deal. And I, I get that from you. It's a, I, you know, I, I really do love making a deal and getting jobs on and just doing the job in the right way, Roy. I, I get a great sense of achievement and a real buzz out of that. Um, so it's it's hard to give up that element of it. And I never want to, to be quite honest with you. I think that regardless of who you are, within the recruitment business, you've still got the capability to, to make deals. Yeah. But you only need to do one a year yeah. in order to prove that you actually can do the job. And I'm a great believer in leading by example. And, uh, you know, hence my, my involvement. But I, I probably need to consider stepping back at this moment in time from that. But it's uh, the buzz is uh, it's a hard one to deny. We'll, we'll work <laughs> on that one together. Um, <laughs> Gareth, um, you know, look, you've been around our recruitment industry for many, many years now. Um, and between us, we've seen massive changes, you know, 27, mm -hmm. 20 years between, you know, and some. We've seen massive changes. I'm going to get you to look into your crystal ball for a second and try and predict, if you can, how you think the recruitment industry is going to develop over the next five years. Next five years, that's some crystal ball, Roy. Um, <laughs> Next year. Well, first, first and foremost, if the economy remains stable, which I believe that it should do unless there is a EU disaster, which potentially could be high on the risk level, yeah. um, I think we could be looking at a very promising five years ahead. Yeah. I think that the four things come to mind in terms of changes that we potentially should be looking out for and things that we think 
well, I think will definitely occur. I think that we've started to see it already within the marketplace, point number one, and that is about the market dynamics is shifting. Yeah. I think that we're starting to see the development and the surge of niche providers within the marketplace. Um, I've started to see what I would term as the more generalist agencies now referring to themselves as multi-niche. <laughs> I, I, I think that tells a story. <laughs> It's a bit contradictory, <coughs> excuse me, but in line with that. We've got every niche you want, every colour. Well, you know, I'm sure there are plenty that will portray that. But ultimately, this true nicheness, understanding of your market is absolutely key. And that's why I'm concentrating on narrowing and defining our market within BIT, because I am a great believer that moving forward, the candidates as our commodity is going to become increasingly rarer. Yeah. So having that network, having that depth, into the marketplace is absolutely going to be fundamental for delivery and that's what I think is going to drive clients through to niche providers and I think we're going to see that full circle potentially occurring in the next uh, uh, two to three years rather than five would be my feeling. Um, I think that the second point would be around expansion of service. Um, Along the lines of what I've talked about in terms of the direction that I'm taking BIT, where we're, we're providing multiple service lines that are not specifically what would be traditionally deemed to be recruiters hmm. space. And I think that we can see a surcharge in the marketplace now occurring, um, particularly around legislative difficulties um, uh, with people creating teams, more deliverable based outputs from their clients. And I think we can start to see uh, probably a, a, a big growth in that. Thirdly, I think we will see an increased level of collaboration. And what I mean by that is about remote working, about flexible working. I think we will start to see real adoption of technology um, by more organizations in order to allow this to happen. Now, at the minute, my view is that you know companies hire with skills within a geographical distance of where they are based. Now, that means that they're very restricted in terms of their offering, and as the skill market becomes tighter, I think that more companies are going to start to become very aware of you know people who are sitting in other geographies that potentially could be very beneficial to their business. And I can see the guard dropping on this and management styles changing with the use of collaborative tech actually increasing that. And I think that that is going to be a positive for our sector. Um, I also think that that will impact on how we work as recruiters. I think that the, the you know there's lots of young blood coming into our sector at the moment, um, but there are also a lot of older heads who have maybe departed from our sector because of one reason or another, children, lady returners and so on. And I think that we can protect, pro proactively bring a lot of people back into our recruitment sector by giving them this flexibility that potentially was not able to be afforded in the past. Um, so I think that, that will help uh, increase quality of recruiter as well. And then fourthly, uh, sadly, I think it'll be legislation driven. I think that we're going to see a, a huge amount of legislative change um, continuing over the next uh, five years. And if anything, I see the bureaucracy and the red tape in our business is probably growing and the business becoming a wee bit more challenging with regard to the back-end compliance yeah. and the, I suppose, the red tape that we have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. So to me, those are the four things that stick out as being very prominent in my mind that's going to hit our business and sector in the next five years. 
Gareth, I don't know where you're looking into your crystal ball, but I've got to say to you, I'm, I'm following your uh, your thoughts on this. Everything you said there made perfect, perfect sense. And sadly, the one about legislation at the end uh, worries me also. You know, I look at that and I think to myself, in order for us to be able to compete on a global basis, we almost need mm-hmm. less of that bureaucracy and red tape and things that, you know, have traditionally or recently have stopped recruitment businesses from uh, from being able to expand as quickly. I, you know, so I have my view on that. But yeah, listen, on, on all of those things, I really would agree with you. Um, and, you know, the technology thing, it's, you know, I, I actually believe that, that, that the, the point that you made about businesses having to look outside geographies um, mm-hmm. and use technology to facilitate that, will require a seismic shift for some management teams um, and those management teams may get left behind you know it's like survival of the fittest and the ones, to, the ones uh, kind of yeah. more adaptive to change i think we can see this as being one of the i think more landmark changes that will affect in the ne- affect us in the next five years um, so much so that i've uh, really uh, uh, been thinking about this quite deeply in the last year and i've partnered with an organization called one virtual world now this is a new organization as well and what they do is they concentrate on actual training of managers to remote manage wow Nobody else does that in Europe. There's two businesses in America that ultimately, uh, I I believe, are involved in that type of training. But I see this as a massive opportunity and a massive opening in the UK. Um, So hence the reason partnering with with, uh, One Virtual World in order to actually introduce that concept through to our clients in order to break the skills deadlock that we have within many areas of the country. And I think this is something that most people really seriously need to be considering at this moment in time. Um, We live in the days where if you can't see them you don't believe they're working yeah um, we, we have to get rid of that mentality I've got rid of it in my business I'm, I'm quite a free thinker um, I promote flexible working working Brilliant. from home um, cloud-based tech you can work in the bus you can work the train you can work in your house it doesn't really matter where and when you know have that level of flexibility I think yeah. just is it's beneficial to my business but it also reduces attrition and really just gets that I suppose the best output out of people so you have to give a wee bit to get a big bit back and it's just trying to get people to believe and see that concept Roy. The key is measuring outputs and results as opposed to the traditional way of measuring the hours that you put in and and, you know simply trust yeah exactly right exactly right so Um, I think it's a mature management style that people need to adopt for that. Gareth thank you so much for for sharing you know those those views and also something about your journey i'm really keen to move you into our lightning round of questions now okay um but i need to ask you gareth are you are you ready for the lightning round i'm ready roy good the <laughs> <laughs> lightning round so gareth first question um what's the number one thing that you see holding recruiters back from becoming more successful Oh, it's work ethic, <laughs> literally. Excuse me. <clears throat> like I don't mean to join on about the same thing, but I think that there's an expectation from people that doing the bare minimum yeah. gives the maximum output, and it yeah. doesn't. 
you know, there is a, a, a very easy correlation to understand that you work hard, you get a big output. If you don't, you don't. And it's simple as that. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, uh, we, we really need to embrace that our business sector is a tough one. The most successful people that I've ever known in it have been really hard workers and have been determined. You know, they're really, they're not nine to fivers by any manner of means. Yeah. But then secondly, on the back of that, I think that people need to stop using email a wee bit more and induce relationships and that rapport with both candidates and clients. I think that the recruitment sector in the last 10 years, I think, has really become very distant um, from the buyers and from the commodity. And I think that getting rid of email and doing more phone and more face-to-face contact is absolutely vital. And I think that uh, uh, that... I think is the major thing actually holding back recruiters in the current day and age is that face-to-face report that build trust, understanding and be able to understand people in terms of what they're looking for and how you can portion a solution for them whether it be candidate or client. Great answer, thank you Gareth. Gareth, what's the best piece of business advice you've ever received? Oh, well the best piece of business advice would be simple, it's uh, if it's too good to be true it's not. (laughs) <laughs> I, I tell you, it, uh, it, that really is good. And I suppose from a recruitment perspective, the other bit would be that uh, don't guarantee or promise what you can't deliver. Absolutely right. You know, it's that same thing. So uh, two concepts there, one that's recruitment focused and one that is business general. Uh, but I think uh, that's, again, again, my father that taught me that one with regard to the fact that if it's too good to be true, it probably isn't. And so you need to be a wee bit uh, open-minded whenever people say stuff to you. I love I love Mr. Biggerstaff Senior. He seems to be like a font of this. We should get him on here, Roy. We really should. <laughs> we really should. I'm signing him up for the next one. Uh, <laughs> Gareth, question oh, number three. Three, what is something that you see working brilliantly in your business right now, whether it's a piece of software or an app or a hack or I don't know, something that's working really, really well for you? Okay. um, In the last six months, Roy, I've been spending time uh, building my own MI application. Wow. And that's uh, that has had massive benefits to me, actually. I haven't really uh, appreciated before I started that exercise what the outcome would be on the back of it. Right. But what, what I've developed is a, a, what I would call an, a vitals MI suite for my business that basically gives me the full end-to-end reporting within my firm. And it lets me know what's going on from a KPI on a day-to-day perspective, right, right through to the business that is being placed, right through to the financials and the cash flow. So what I have uh, is a, a, an application that shows me in a one-stop shop where my business sits. But at the same time, the key thing about this is that it's almost a predictive engine that is built on past performance as an indicator of future performance. And what I'm doing is I'm using it as a predictive engine to actually accurately predict where my business will be in the course of the next three years and how much net profit I can take out of that and how I can reinvest and at what periods over that three-year period I will be able to do that. And this has been revolutionary for me, I have to say. It's been a a, a brilliant tool. I've uh, finally cracked something myself that I think could be of uh, potentially some worth. I was going to say to you, Gareth, the question on every listener's lips now is, where can I buy it? (laughs) I'm thinking about this at the moment, Roy. I have to be honest with you. I am really believing that there might be a product that would be worth taking to market here. So I'm actually weighing all that up at the moment, but it's like everything else. It's all about how much time you have in a day. 
Sometimes... Thankfully, I don't watch TV, Roy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, thank heavens you don't. Thank heavens you don't. Um, sometimes with those things, Gareth, it's worth uh, identifying um, a partner. And this isn't a pitch, but it's worth identifying you know, a partner that could maybe take that out to market for you and, and uh, you know, and realise it's worth. But I think there's a lot of business owners listening to this or watching this interview thinking, wow, if Gareth has cracked that, you know, rather than try and reinvent the wheel for their own businesses, they'll, you know, if you can white label it and sell it on, uh, could be a very, very useful tool. Well, I'm actually weighing that up in my own mind. And I do believe that there will be capability to do that, right? Sure. Well, listen, I wish you the best of luck with that. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, question number four. What's the best business book that you've read in the last six months? Oh, man, you're talking to a man that is not a reader of books at all, Roy. <laughs> I, um, uh, I read all day at my work, so I choose not to read books, to be quite honest with you. Okay. But occasionally I would. Um, but I tell you, the, the, the one book... <sighs> It wasn't read in the last six months. Oh, it doesn't matter. If it was, right. you know, well, if you're not an, an avid reader, if there was mm -hmm. one book that you read in your lifetime, then actually there's something to be said for that, you know? Well, I'll tell you, there is one, and it was actually about a year and a half ago that I actually was reading it, and it was by a guy called Neil Francis. Now, you won't hear of him. You won't have heard of him. Um, he is a guy that is local to, to Scotland, and what he was was the CEO of a software business okay. and he at 41 had a massive stroke and really with a family of uh, three uh, life was changed upside down couldn't talk couldn't walk and really he had to spend years in recuperation to bring himself up to a point where he could have an element of normality wow. now the way that he done this and this is so uh, life-changing to me is that you learned a lot from this man in terms of his capability to rise to the top this bowled him over and his capability to get back up onto his feet again and to move forward was incredible so what he done to condition himself after this major stroke was he became a caddy and he worked at North Berwick Golf Course which is like a pretty famous golf course Very on the east coast of Scotland and he, you know, the good and the great and the famous come there. So he got the caddy for such a diverse range of people. And he was talking to, you know, CEOs of big businesses from America, people from all over the world right. who were so uh, uh, business rich. And they just have been through so many experiences. So what he'd done was that he started to talk to them and note down their experiences and what it was that, you know, they had problems with and what their solutions were. And they were all business-related problems by and large. And what he'd done is he scripted all of these stories into a book. And I have to say that had probably the biggest meaning to me than any other book I've read. I've got to get that book, Gareth. Uh, do you recall what the title was? We, we will find it. Changing Course by Change. Neil Francis. Perfect. Okay. We'll yes. post up we'll post up a link, but I think that's going on my Kindle if I can get it, or if not, I'll be phoning you up and getting a hard copy. It is a superb book. I would recommend it. Fantastic. I really would. Well look, even more of a recommendation when you speak with someone who's not a you know, a consumer of business books per se so the fact that you've yeah. mentioned that particular one that tells me that's a special book um so thank you for that um G gareth i'm, I'm gonna um uh, take you we're, we're coming towards the end of our, our time together but i do want to ask you this question sure if, if you woke up tomorrow morning armed with all the knowledge the experience that you have you know the vast knowledge and experience that you have but your business bit resourcing wasn't around god forbid but if it wasn't around 
what mm. would you do? How would you start again? What would you do? Well, I'd like to think I'm pretty motivated. So, yeah, I think I'd be able to get myself up um, and back onto my legs again, Roy. But you know what I would do? Um, I think back to the software piece that we were talking about with the MI Vitals, I would be developing that and I would be promoting that as a as some kind of a cloud-based uh, SaaS software product. Um, so I think that would be what I would probably focus on now. It's a good answer. Really, really good answer. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> it's, it's interesting, but at the same time, having that business and SME experience within the recruitment sector at a management level and understanding what I want from my business and how I want to track and manage my business. Yeah. I think I have a pretty acute view on this. Now, to be able to translate this into software, I think that could be a great offering. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, and listen, we will definitely have further discussions on that, Gareth, before <laughs> before the night is out. Um, You're after my IP, Roy, Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> get that get that NDA ready. I'll be ready to sign it. Um, Sitting here, right? <laughs> Gareth, listen, very sadly, we have come to the end of our time together in Recruiters Live Lounge. Um, and uh, I do want to keep this conversation going with you. Um, just one final point. If there was a final piece of advice that you'd have for anyone watching or, or listening to the show... And then also um, advice for anybody who wants to get in touch with you and find out more about what you're doing at BIT. Final piece of advice is that just keep going and do it, regardless of how hard it may get. We always live for tomorrow, and I live with a philosophy, when I have a bad day, tomorrow will be better. Yeah. And typically I'm right. So I think that would be the one I would leave you with. With regard to how to get in touch with me, um, you can uh, access our website, um, be-itresourcing.com, and what you'll do is you'll find all my contact details in there, um, my LinkedIn profile, my phone numbers, my email, etc. Anybody feel free to get in touch if there's a subject that you would like to pick up on. Fantastic. Gareth, thank you for that. You can also watch Gareth's videos there as well. Um, for any of you that are thinking about videos for your business, there's some two, two that I've seen, two very, very good examples. Um, Gareth, on behalf of everybody connected with Recruiters Live Lounge, thank you so, so much for sharing your journey with us today. You're more than welcome. I've really enjoyed talking to yourself as well, Roy. So thank you for the opportunity as well. Oh, listen, we've, it's, been, it's been a pleasure for us. It's been an honour to have you on. Um, for everybody else that's listening, um, you've, been, uh, you've been listening or watching Gareth Biggerstaff of BIT Resourcing talk about his journey and hopefully inspiring you, whether you're at the beginning of your recruitment business, whether you're new into recruitment, whether you're looking at the exit side of your business, hopefully Gareth's story today has inspired you to do something different or something else. Um, to keep getting content just like this, free content, the most inspiring recruitment business leaders on our planet, please subscribe. Click the subscribe button. Uh, or if you're listening to this on iTunes, click the uh, subscribe in iTunes to get these episodes delivered directly to your device, directly to your inbox. Until I see you again in the live lounge, take care. See you soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Recruiters Live Lounge with Roy Ripper. Join us next time for more insights and incredible success journeys to help you be a better recruitment business leader.
What would it feel like to get all of your back office administration done under one roof? EasyPay provide funding, payroll and back office services to support your recruitment business. EasyPay want to offer one month's free fees to any new customers who come through Recruiters Live Lounge. Just go to easypayservices.co.uk forward slash rec live lounge.